Welcome back to a CoinGeek Conversation special. This week, we've dug into our archives to revisit some of the most insightful conversations we've had with personalities in the Bitcoin SV community. While it might seem like everybody working in BSV wants to build a multinational company and make a fortune, that's not always the case. Some of our guests are focused on experimenting with the technology to find ways to make a difference in the community. We'll meet Nick Newmas, who wants to change the world one retweet at a time, the women of BSV, and Yuri Perikko and Adam Hawley, two old friends supporting Ukraine with NFTs. But first up is Mandeep Singh, the rapper using Bitcoin to redefine how musicians relate to their fans online. The logistics are that there are seven tracks on the album. If you buy one of those, you get a 1% airdrop amongst all the holders. So if there's 200 holders, they get 0.05% uh, each um, of the deep token total supply. Deep being a token which I intend to roll out over the course of my lifetime, which gives you rights to revenue share over a select portion of my discography, um, which is starting in kind of my solo artist format uh, with this project. You don't actually need to know who these people are, with, who are the owners of the deep token. You just send money to, to those addresses. Is that how it works? That would be the case, yeah. So uh, someone's working at the moment on an airdrop tool for the RON protocol, which is what RealX is built on top of. Um, and so when tools like that are ready, it'll be very simple to just see a list of who holds what and send out the appropriate, the appropriate sats. And you can square that up at the moment. It has to be a manual process. You square that up with, well, firstly, things like income from NFT sales, but down the line, you can look at your PRS and PPL kind of publishing and royalty fees that you get in the, in the normal music industry. Uh, you can look at the accounts there and distribute that income uh, as, as agreed at the start. And so you're committing yourself to distributing a share of your future income to these holders. And then your income itself will come from more conventional things, will it like playing at concerts or selling vinyl or whatever is mm. that so the it so for each project that is eligible for the deep pot um it says in the in the terms what aspect of the income that holders are eligible for so the main things would be things like commercial use or streaming revenue um use in music venues so if a venue uses a track and plays it whilst people are having the drinks and whatnot you get a fee for that as a musician so those kinds of stuff that is all collated by these publishing houses in the UK and there's different companies in America who do that as well. And then those payments come to you. And then, yeah, I intend to split those out amongst these holders because I think that's one of the main games that Bitcoin lets you play. It finally gives you the chance to control the incentives that people have for interacting with your work uh, in a way that is completely flexible and up to you. And so that's the power of the tool I'm trying to leverage to build a stronger community behind my work. I can see what's in this for the, for the uh, fan, but... What is in it really for you as uh, somebody who's trying to make their living from the music? Because basically you're just dishing out some of your earnings to, to other people. Mm -hmm. what, 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 what do you see the benefits to you being? So if I was going to do it via a completely traditional kind of music industry route, I'd be doing the same thing. Is that the person taking the cut would be a, a record label or a manager of some kind. Um, there are certain projects that I don't want to have those uh, obligations for. I'd rather than be completely grassroots, that everyone who holds the tokens, they're the ones that feel the incentive to go and share and show their friends my work. People predominantly at the moment share work on social media or to their friends in real life because they love it. I think adding an additional small financial incentive for them to do so just adds a bit of 
weight to that connection. Um, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a fine line to tread. You don't want to over-financialize your work. Uh, that, that adds a heaviness to it that you don't want to be there. But for example, I have friends who when they watch a football game, they'll bet a few quid on it beforehand, and it just ups the emotionality of them watching that game. It's not a life or death kind of stakes, but it is something just to make them pay a bit more attention. Um, and, and that's the kind of connection I want people to forge with my music. Right, because if I tell my friend, you know, look, there's a new thing by Mandeep, I'm not directly getting paid if they click on something, but I am going to benefit in the long run financially if you just become better known or more popular, I suppose. So it's, it's, it's slightly blurred in that sense. It's not, it's, you couldn't accuse me of trying to sort of um, uh, sell something by, uh, by default. Absolutely, absolutely. But in terms of how I instructed this, I always think it's, really, it's a really helpful tool that I found in general to work back from a very particular vision um, or a situation you want to unfold. Um, so like a, a, a long-term dream I've had for me as a musician is that I want to be, in this space anyways, I want to be in a position where one day some kid hears the track that I made, loves it, apes into this kind of cheap NFT or token of it, and down the line, the track does well, and now that kid can afford a weekly session of therapy or something, something of that order or they can afford a meal up with their friends. I, I, I want to see a world in which that fans can be rewarded for their ears being early to a trend or early to a track or artists doing well in, in something more than just clout. Because at the moment, that's what you get. You go, I knew, the, I knew about them first. And that's about it. The passionate Mandeep Singh there talking about his vision as an artist. And if you're interested in hearing Mandeep's music, then please do stay tuned as we will be playing one of his tracks later in the show. Now we're going to check in with Nick Newmas, founder and CEO of Genuine Retweets, a social media platform which allows users to earn money to their Bitcoin SV wallets just by engaging with posts on Twitter. If you are unuseful to a business, you shouldn't be paid for promoting, in, in our opinion. So you have to roughly 100 followers at least would do. Um, you know, I'll go online and check if you're real, if you talk to people, if you're useful, if you're nice. And, um, you know, just have a look at your social behavior online. See if you're valuable to the clients because clients can check, Charles. They can click on the, the like and retweet and they can check who's doing stuff. Oh, is that right? So, because, okay, yeah, so yeah, let, let yeah. me just, uh, I'll explain. My, I, I um, have done some, been participated in the, the program kind of early on, but then I had another go yesterday because I hadn't done it for a while. And I must say it worked incredibly well. Um, the first thing I did was I put up a tweet saying, uh, does anybody have any thoughts about genuine retweets? And I paid um, $5 to have that promoted. In other words, to get five comments. Well, I got like 14 comments or something straight away. And actually, so I think you've answered one of my questions because I wasn't sure how I could, whether I could tell which of the ones were the paid ones and which were just ordinary comments. But there is a way of doing that, is there? The whole idea is it should be difficult to tell for someone who's paid for yes. it. They should just mingle into the natural comments because what we're trying to go for there, Charles, is um, when people come to look at that conversation in, say, three or four weeks down the line, they can look at those comments and see an interesting conversation and good engagement in terms of the context of the tweet. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed to work brilliantly, but then I didn't know 
how how, yeah, how yeah. well it would have worked if I hadn't had those ones thrown in as well. But anyway, so no complaints there. And then on the other side, I saw that there was an opportunity to retweet and get paid for something that I didn't even really study it very much. But I uh, actually, I think I just liked it. And, and I got about two minutes later, my hand cash uh, app pinged and I'd got paid four pence, which is about six cents, six US cents or something. So that was pretty amazing, I must say. Um, Thank you. And well, okay, so now just a couple of things on the comments that people gave about about their experience. There were some pretty good ones, I must say. There's a guy here who says, I bought at least two dinners a week with my earnings. It simply doesn't get better than that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's quite a lot. That must be what, $20, $30 or something um, per week. That seems like a lot. Our promoters are in various jurisdictions all over the world and their economic circumstances vary diversely. So we receive letters from people that we've apparently changed their lives with the earnings that they're getting through genuine retweets. So you're probably referring to someone who comes from a poor economic jurisdiction. Right. Their dinner will be quite cheap. Well, you know, we've doubled some people's wages. That's amazing. So it's, we receive letters, Charles. It's humbling um, because I'm in England. I'm in Tunbridge Wells. Um, you know, fish and chips around there is 20 quid. Yeah. So um, some of these people are from different jurisdictions all over the world. Uh, Venezuela, for example, that we, we know is struggling. Um, Greece, Spain, France, Africa, uh, our promoters are all over the world. So some of them are very, very grateful of the earnings. And even the ones that are, we can say that are from the first world, even they're earning, you know, $100 extra a month or something like that. Hmm. That's amazing. You know, but, but So these people who live in, in the developing world, they... Yeah have got to be plugged into the whole BSV system and they've got to be have a kind of authority within that subject area in order to be able to do this. Yeah, they're really useful. The people that are passionate about BSV, we don't really mind where in the world they live because we're not biased. Obviously, Bitcoin's an unbiased system, isn't it? So we just need them to turn up and, and their presence is valued highly. Um, and that's what we're trying to teach people is that, you know, be, being a person online, we value that highly. And so should every single business in this day and age, because without those people online, Charles, as we both know, there is no business. So we're trying to re-educate people now to show them your presence is valuable online. And we foresee in the future, um, there'll be a lot more type of business operations which compensate people because of their presence online. A really admirable concept from Nick Newmass there. And next up, we have the Women of BSV, a group of female influencers in the community. CoinGeek's Charles Miller spoke to two members of the group, Ruth Heisman and Diddy Weldon, during the CoinGeek conference in New York in October 2021. What about Craig? Did you did you did you see his his presentations, and what did you make of them? I did. His t- yeah. Teaching is as always about commodities this time, wasn't it? Um, I always I think I uh, tweeted you know it's given us a, a semi annual bollocking, um, and it does feel a bit like that. <laughs> He comes on stage and he he basically you know rallies the troops and tells us all tells us all to work harder, which I appreciate. I think it's I think it's great a great message, and that and that's the thing is is no matter how far we've come, there's there's a hell of a lot further yet to go, uh, so don't stop now. And I I think in in BSV you can complain about the the price staying low and stuff, but it does at least have the effect of making it so that everybody has to be quite 
industrious and ingenious and keep working uh, to increase, you know, the value of their portfolio um, rather than sort of sitting back on our laurels and saying, oh, numbers gone up, you know, nothing more needed to be done because that's what's leaving BTC behind in the dust. It's because there's no development happening. And they've, they've really nothing to talk about at conferences. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather have the Craig Wright approach of, you know, a sort of a stern headmaster telling everybody to get back to work. How, how would you review Craig's uh, performance, did he? Um, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of Craig's um, interviews, um, hundreds of them. Um, mm-hmm. And I... I still learn new things every time. So, you know, he still comes out with, with something new. But I, 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 I absolutely love Craig to bits. Um, with his brain for me is phenomenal. And I like his, um, his literally his straight approach to things. There's no yeah. ways, there's no graces. It is what it is. And if I'm pissed off with you, I will tell you. Mm. Um, and he's very straight down the line with everything. And I, I, I've never met anybody like that before and um so i have ultimate respect for him but i'm i'm what surprises me is is after all these hundreds of hours i still fact there's still something new that i haven't heard mm. before that he comes out with um and i just think he's such a a great leader who actually probably didn't realize that he was going to be a leader does that you know um so ultimate respect to Craig and I hope that people listen to him. You're both founders of the Women of BSB group. I wondered whether uh, what you thought about the, the lack of women uh, appearing at the conference and whether your group is in some sense uh, a kind of campaigning group to get more women into BSB. I wouldn't say a campaigning group exactly. I think it's more just trying to um, provide marketing and, and education with and, and entertainment just with a different slant that ha- has more appeal to women because you know um, a lot of it's quite dry a lot of it's quite academic and we're trying to provide the a bit of light relief really and and um, in, a, in a more sort of chatty way and find out about the people as well we're quite interested in, in the people themselves the entrepreneurs um, so we're asking sort of slightly different questions and and having a bit of fun with it. I, I think from my perspective, I, I don't want it to be too serious. We're not an oppressed minority. We're not um, in any way sidelined. Uh, it's not that at all. We're just we're just enjoying it and giving a slightly alternative take on the space and you know a bit bit of colour and uh, you know joy, hopefully. Mm, I think I might need to join that group. Our final guests this week are Adam Hawley and Yuri Perico, two Ukrainian-Americans who released the Ukrainian Relief NFT collection on NFT marketplace FabricX earlier this year to raise money for people affected by the war. Adam, what, what exactly are people invited to do if they want to take part in this initiative? It's basically an initiative to... Um, you're going to get a digital keepsake for donating to a cause where people are in need. So you're basically getting a digital NFT keepsake that you'll be able to hold on to. It'll be locked into the blockchain. Maybe, you know, you hand it down. Maybe you trade it off. Maybe it's just something you keep for your collection. But really, in the end of the day, 100% of the proceeds of the purchase 
are going directly to the charity, which Yuri linked me to. And Yuri was the one that came to my mind because, as we, as he has said, um, being from Philadelphia, he was one of the Ukrainians that I knew. And I said, you know what, we need to do something here. Right. So, Yuri, what is actually going to happen to the money that people donate or spend in buying these NFTs? It's the Ukrainian American Relief Committee, based here out of uh, Philadelphia, founded in 1945 which tells you the length of the history of how the suffering of the Ukrainian people's been here, that we needed a committee for 70 some odd years, you know, to provide relief to Ukrainians uh, in the diaspora and in Ukraine in and of itself uh, as a suffering people. But this has been so compelling. The, the people have come out of every aspect that you can imagine. And in doing so, when Adam reached out to me, immediately I knew what organization that we we're gonna support. Adam, I've seen the uh, the NFT artwork on your NFT Familiars site. Can you just tell me a little bit about that, the actual artwork, and and what the context is on this site where there's other artwork for sale? Basically, uh, the artwork came about quickly um, because the project had to come about quickly. I basically searched and found images um, that I felt would represent the feeling I was having. So I asked Yuri quickly for an image, which he sent me the coat of arms. When I noticed the coat of arms, I then found a picket fence painted in that color. The picket fence then reminded me of the people standing. And then I also took the statue of the woman with the sword as my kind of depiction of what I would think would be like the spirit standing behind this fence, like of, you know, everyday citizens that are just automatically forced into a war zone. So I figured it was kind of like they needed this guiding spirit kind of thing. And, and the picket fence, you know, is a little bit worn. It's a little bit tattered. It was painted by someone, you know, designed by someone, not myself, you know, it was a free image, but it, it was something that I saw as um, worthy of using in this situation. So I, I was hoping for more or less just to, to get an outpouring of people that that could see and and want to directly help immediately this nft enables that your money goes directly within minutes into that account into those people's hands into this channel whereas if you sit home and watch your tv and send it could take days weeks months wow what a great example of how people are coming together to use technology to make the world a better place it's been great to celebrate all these big personalities that we're so lucky to have in the Bitcoin SV community. And thank you for watching this CoinGeek Conversation special with me, Sarah Hicks. In next week's show, we'll be returning to a more corporate theme with an episode all about venture capital. Be sure to tune in as producer Claire Seldron takes you on an investment journey. But before I leave you, I'd like to end with a video of Mandeep showcasing his impressive rapping talent. So please do stay tuned and enjoy. Bye.